0: The tour content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so technically this is to him, till him this year. Um, but I was thinking on the way over, and uh, um, I'm usually—I've never been a New Year's person. Like even before I was Jewish, um, you know, like we never really did anything for New Year's. Uh, but it's you know it's era of New Year's right now. And uh, it's been, it's been quite a year. (laughs) And uh, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about Tehillon. And uh, I was thinking that, like, you know, kind of in the same way, you know, Jews have different views on birthdays, right? Like, like, I've heard, you know, people will obviously celebrate birthdays because that's like a cultural thing. And then I've and then there are people who will say like, oh, well, you know, the only time that birthdays are mentioned in the Torah is Paro. So like birthdays are not a thing. Like you really should be yard sites, you know, and like, okay, fine. I understand that. Like it's a valid point that, you know, birthdays are not a thing in Torah, but there's a reality to the fact that like we live in, the, in, in this culture and like, you know, we have our birthdays and like a lot of people care about their birthdays. So why not use that as an opportunity to reflect, you know, so same thing about New Year's, I think, like, obviously, you know, Torah attaches no significance to the date of January 1st, you know, um, but the 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 culture we live in does. And like, if you insofar as you are affected by it, why not use it as a, uh, a basis for reflection? So, um, you know, again, I'm not I don't usually care about New Year's, but this year I've been thinking about it. So I was thinking about this year and I was thinking about the fact that, you know, Tehillim is really a book about. Um, about your relationship, uh, about, uh, you know, our relationship with Hashem, our relationship as um, as humans, as Jews, and as individuals, you know? So I was, uh, I wanted to pose a question, and I, you know, there's a chance that this is going to fall flat on its face, so I, I'll risk that. Um, my question for the group before we go back to Telam Kufi uh, Dalid, is uh, how, did your relationship with Hashem change over the course of this year?
1: Um, I have like, maybe it's not so directly, so direct, but sort of an answer.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah.
1: Um, Which is, I I feel like um, I tend to go through life with the sense that certain things are impossible, even though like, I know they're impossible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and definitely a pandemic was in the impossible box. Like I would not even have thought about it. And I actually remember uh, in like February seeing some news article about it um, and being like, ah, like it's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, exactly how that uh, ties in directly with like, you know, relationship with Hashem, but I think it's a, a framework shift. Okay, good.
0: Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely an important first step, right? So like, let's, let's take that step. Because remember, in the same way as like in Michele, you know, a lot of Michele, a lot of the, the phenomena of Michele are experienced by all people. But just because you experience the phenomenon does not mean that you frame it in Michele, like there's an, there's an activity of framing it in the proper way. So let's take that observation you had and that feeling that you had, and frame it, in a Tehillim way. So like, what is, uh, what, what can we do with that? I, I, I assume that I assume that tomorrow's not the only one who had that feeling. <laughs> I, for me, it wasn't even in, in the cards. Like it wasn't like, like, I wasn't even thinking about pandemic as a thing. And it's funny. Cause I had read like, you know, great book to read by the way, if you haven't read is factfulness and, uh, you know, by this guy who was a statistician and, uh, uh talking about like, you know, the way that we view the world, and uh you know, in he uh, he died before he finished the book, but then at the end of the book, he was writing about like the things that like he's worried about, and like one of the things was a pandemic, you know, and like I read it, and like, eh! <laughs> you know, like it didn't even register, you know, so like how how can that what would be the what would be a proper way to frame it in terms of our relationship with shem? And I say, a proper way because I don't know if there's only one answer, you know.
1: Um, well, the way that I've been thinking about it is that like. I always try to think about things as like you know, let I say like my future plans or something that um, you know this is what like I think is going to happen, but um, I'm not sure. Like I, like I don't really know. Like it's not in my control. I don't know whether it's what, whether it'll actually occur.
0: Yeah,
1: I always like try to think about things like that. But this really, this really showed me that like things. That you could like, like totally like reasonably plan can just be impossible to happen,
0: you know? Right. So that's a very stoic way to look at it. It'll be a Torah <laughs> way to look at it. Things that 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 look impossible could just you know happen, and uh, things that you don't know. But like, how, how do we frame that as uh, in uh, in in a Hellen way or in a Torah way? Well, I mean, there is a Torah uh, like a Torah way that like
1: you know, we don't have control over the universe.
0: I mean I am not Yeah, I feel like yeah. though that's the that, the fact that we're that, that has absolutely no mention of Hashem is a lack. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like this reminds me of like Shiram and things about like uh oh, Bitachon. I don't know exactly yeah. uh I don't have right. a formulated idea about it. <laughs>
0: okay. So let me, let me, maybe that's a good segue into my, my thoughts for tonight. So, uh, I was thinking on the way over here about the timeline. Okay. So, so I don't know the exact dates, uh, for everything, but in late February, so whatever, January, February was like normal in late February, there was a distinct memory I had of sitting in the office at Shell Heavitt and the, uh, you know, our, um, our, uh, um, I'm I'm not remembering her title, but like her, our person in charge of like recruiting and, uh, and stuff was sitting, um, next to me and I'm looking at this news article. So it must be like February, like 20 something, you know? So I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm like, like Sari, like Italy just closed all of its schools. That's crazy. Okay. (laughs) So that was late February. Okay. Fast forward two weeks later, I get an email from Avigail Lev, March 2nd, okay? And this is what her email said and this is something that 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 ties directly to the thing tomorrow mentioned, okay? Um let me share the screen here. So Avigail Lev asked me about the last halakha in the Rambam in Hilkhot Zachiyah Umatana. Now, I've never learned Rambam in Hilkhot Zachiyah Umatana, you know. So the last halakha says like this, okay? Hatzadikim Oh, So Zachiyah Umatana is about uh you know transferring ownership in uh in like non-transactional or non non dually transactional ways like a gift you know or like like being zooked or something like like getting a half-care, you know so the last halacha says Hatzadikim Hagamuri Masah so complete righteous completely righteous people and, and men of action lo yikablu mataname adam they will not accept any gift from any person okay Ela bashem baruch shemo, they will trust in God blessed his, his name lo binedivim, not in nobles Okay, Bahari Namar and it says in Mishle, one who hates gifts will live. So this is March second. Okay, and if you've, uh, what comes to mind when you see the phrase "Loben Benedivim? Our Pusuk that we've been our, our that we did until one forty six, right? So I started a draft of an email to her. Okay, uh, let me just uh, share that. Uh, I'm not going to share the draft of the email, but I'll share the oopsies. Hold on, I'll share the um, the relevant radak uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why am I not figuring out how to stop sharing? Oh, new share. So the redoc I shared with, or I, I started writing an email. Okay. The redoc in, um, in Vav, which we learned. Okay. Um, and it says in the redoc, uh, don't trust in nobles. Okay. Or in generous, uh, noble benefactors, generous people who are nobles. And uh he he removes his heart from Hashem. rather, if he trusts in man, Yasim he should place the essence of his trust in God. Okay. who placed in the heart of the person uh, of, of the noble, like the thought to to help him, right? So so in other words, if you're trusting, it's not that you you can't trust in a person at all. It's that you can't remove your trust in Hashem. And when you trust in people, your trust in people should really be recognizing that Hashem is the one who, who enabled or facilitated them to help you. Okay. And uh, he repeats the same thing in different words. In human beings who have no salvation. And then this is the key point. If not for the will of God, if not for God's raton, his desire, his will, in Adam mitzaraso, there would there would be no um uh, then then no man would have the ability to save his fell his friend from his uh, catastrophe. Salvation belongs to Hashem alone. He brings it about through people. Okay. So I I started writing an email to send this to Abigail to answer her question and to explain this uh you know this uh this Rama Matana. Okay. So that was March 2nd. March 16th, I believe, is when the schools close. That's 15 days later, 14 days later, 15 days after that, my school closed permanently, and I lost my job. Okay. Um, and that was quite a whirlwind. And that was uh, uh, April 1st that I lost my job. And uh, And obviously, when I lost my job that I had been in for 10 years and had loved and had trusted, it brought up a lot of trust issues, <laughs> you know, a lot of issues in terms of what I took for granted, what I took as like a stable feature of the world that I lived in and of my life, the people who I relied on, like, you know, the, the edifice of like the school and its administrators and like its parents and like people who supported it. And I was thrust into this, like, uh, this, the sea of uncertainty. And this was in April 1st. And, uh, and that week, this was very, very rapid, you know, so and I'm thinking, of, I had not finished writing the email to Abigail, it was all this was on my mind for the entire time of like trusting in people, you know, uh, and, uh, and obviously, you know, those who know how the, the structure of my school was set up, there was a logical place for me to apply to teach for uh, for the following year, like a safe, uh, a safe thing to fall back on, you know, and, um, and I had seriously contemplated that, And, uh, it wasn't ideal because like, I wouldn't be teaching what I wanted and I'd be teaching things I actively didn't want. And I'd be working under conditions that I didn't want, you know, and I agonized over this for that week and the week after and, uh, and talked to a lot of people about stuff. And I ultimately made the decision that I'm going to try (laughs) trusting in Hashem, you know? And so, you know, it was such a thing where like, you know, you rely on certain things and they don't come to fruition, and then you rely on other things they don't come to fruition, and then you realize that I just have absolutely no control, and I have no knowledge of what's going to happen. And again, this is April, and this was even just coming to terms with the fact that okay, I'm going to be in New York for the first time for Pesach, and like, and I have no idea what the summer is going to be. I have no idea what the next year is going to be, and it got to like this this you know there's this point where you are so out of control that you just say okay. I can now actually not rely on people and I could just rely on on, on the rats on Hashem, however that happens. And any person I rely on, this became very real to me at this time period, any person I rely on, it's only rats on Hashem. Now, what does that mean? Obviously, you know, so it obviously doesn't mean that Hashem is controlling the person's mind, right? But like, you know, it's a combination of God set up the world in certain ways, in terms of Hashem, God set up, God runs the world in certain ways, according to Ashgakha Prajas, and he set up human beings. He created human beings in such a way where there are certain value systems, certain psychology, certain everything. And the recognition has to be, this is, this is all review of what we talked about in Kufmen Vav, but I just, I'm thinking about this in a different way now, reflecting back on the year. Like, you know, I use the video game analogy where like, if you are playing a video game and you're trying to, you know, to, to beat the game, And like you feel very good about yourself for knowing the ins and outs of the game and like relying on your skill to like beat it. In one sense, it's true that you are exercising your own skill, but in another sense, like you have absolutely no say in the thing. The programmer of the game is the only one who actually determines the factors which will allow you to beat it or not beat it. So for you to take credit and say, like, oh, it's my skill that allowed me to beat it it's only true in the sense that you are using your mind and applying it to the rules of the game. But ultimately, it's the programmer who decided the parameters of the game and who at any moment can actually like, you know, again, if you I shouldn't say at any moment, but like if this were a, a live like game that is continually updated, it's the programmer of the game that is setting all the parameters. and And it's not your ability and your will that can determine it. It's it's the programmer who does it, you know? And like this realization of, I have no control over what's going to happen. I have no knowledge of what's going to happen. I'm just going to trust in the Rosh Hashem. And in my particular case, it was the fact that I don't want to teach under those conditions. And I'm going to trust in the fact that there is a, (laughs) there are people who value Chachma and I have something to offer the Chachma community, you know? And, uh, and I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to trust in that, you know, and that was like my decision. And like, it felt very freeing to like abandon myself to however this year turns out, I'm going to give this a try and like try to make this work, you know, and just rely on Hashem and, uh, and, and trust in Hashem that, that, that whatever happens is going to happen does not mean it's going to guarantee that it's going to work, but what's, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And, uh, and then, you know, slowly things started to come together. Aliza Fader started Lumdeha and I got that. And then I was approached by people from YBT and then I got that. And then I was approached by people from YBT for the, for a full-time position. And then, and then, and then that happened. And then like, I had the idea of like starting YouTube and then, and then things came together and like, but it was this mentality of just, I have no control over what's going to happen. All I know is that like, you know, is that anything that does work is really through Russ on Hashem. And uh, and it's a it's very, very hard to articulate. I feel like what, what Tamara was saying is like it's hard to articulate this. It's it's not that it changed my practical decision making, because practically speaking, I'm gonna be in a Michelin for America and I'm gonna still use whatever decisions are based on like the factors that I know and the probability it was more of an orientation towards what am I relying on and how do I relate to my plans? Like, am I relating to my plans as though they're going to work? Am I relating to people as though they're going to come through? Or am I recognizing that my the people and my plans are only going to you know work insofar as, as Hashem wills it? And it was a, I don't know if I fully appreciate like what I was doing. I don't know if I was rational in this, but like, it was definitely an exercise in abandoning my certainty in the future and trusting in the Rats and Hashem and in the value systems of like, like, look, like we, we you know, we live in a, uh, in a society where, or sorry, we, we, <laughs> we're a species where the true good is Chachma. And I'm thankful to live in a community that values Chachma. And I just kind of trusted in the fact that like, if we are all clamoring and striving for doing what is best, for the Chachma in our small circle, then it is in line with Ratzon Hashem, that that's something that, that is good. <laughs> and like, you know, and like davening, you know, it, it was, uh, it, 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 I, I felt like it was a genuine exercise in, in, in Bittachon and Hashem. And, uh, and like, it's one of those things where you couldn't, it would have been very hard to come to, to, come to this if everything was going well you know? And I think that's something that we see from David and Melch and from Yaakov, avino you know, like it's, you know, you are in the, you can't make these ideas real to you in the realm of theoretics. Like you need these things to be put to the test and like actually rely on, on like, like put these ideas to the test and like rely on these things and in order to actually like strengthen them. And, uh, and that was another lesson that I learned from this year is like, you know, the, we, we recoil from adversity and pain and things that are not in line with our will, but like, that is what gives us the opportunity to put the ideas to the test and like strengthen the reality of the ideas to ourselves and like put the, you know, to, to trust in Hashem. And so I'm not being so articulate, but like, I feel like reflecting back on 2020, this was a very good year in terms of of like stripping away these illusions of how uh, uh, of certainty about the future and like kind of like resetting like the uh, the the baseline for like what is actually real and like the only thing we could trust in is on Hashem. And it's a very ironic level of trust because we think of security as tied to the outcomes, you know, that you're secure that you're gonna get a certain outcome. That's the emotional security. But trust in hashem, is not tied to the outcome. Like, like the now the best analogy I, I I've used, and I, I gave Shiram on this during the pandemic of like, you know the 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 person who's playing poker for a living. Sorry, let me go back for a second. The person who's a a a a, a novice or a lay person who's playing poker in a casino is putting his trust in the outcomes of like. I'm going to make this bet and I'm going to win. And like, and if he loses, then he gets very insecure and like, oh man, I'm not doing the right thing. But the expert poker player puts his trust in the math and the math is always right. You know, the math is certain, like, you know, that the math is certain. And that does not mean that you're going to win this hand. Okay. But it means that like, like you can know it with your mind and you know that, that, that the math is hundred percent reliable and like in the long run, it's going to work out. And that's the best model I have in my mind for trust in Hashem that you, it, it's not like you're trusting Hashem that the outcome is going to be what you want. It's that, you know, that the part of your mind uh, of yourself that you're using to trust is the only reliable part That's you're telling the and you know that the value you know the Torah is true and you know that the value system that uh that Hashem set forth in Torah of Yediyah Hashem and Chesed Tzedakah Mishpat is true and like you stake your trust on that and like if I align myself with that then in the long run that is the best thing it doesn't mean it's going to work out for me in this particular case like it might fail like the job I apply for might not happen but like that's the um uh, that's the thing. And like, yeah, it like, you know, like, like, uh, like Shimon was saying in the chat, like it's the, it's the, uh, the, uh, outcome, not the goal, uh, sorry, not the outcome, not the, the process, not the goal, you know, like the, the process and the system and not the goal. And I feel like this was a very valuable year in that sense of like trusting in that and, uh, and practicing it. And if the, when the next storm comes along, who knows whether we're going to like make it, but definitely this helped me, you know, at least put it to the test and like, uh, I don't know. That was something that was very valuable.
1: Yeah. I I have a question about that. Um, So I understand saying you're like, you're putting your trust in the system that Hashem set up. Yeah. Um, uh, The thing that I'm having trouble with is, I'd say tying that to trusting in Hashem
0: yeah so th- th- this is a it's a sneaky thing okay not sneaky it's a subtle thing <laughs> um there's two ways in which I've come to terms with that okay one is the fact that and, and this is this so, is minutes here uh,
1: i just want to spell out my question just to make sure. it clear. go ahead like um
0: let me get water while you're talking yeah, yeah.
1: um i uh, um i'd say i i understand how you can have like trust in a system um and like, let's, like I said, like a person could have trust in this in the um, in the system of statistics or something like that. Um, but it's, it sounds like when we talk about, like, you know, trusting in Hashem, it's some sort of a relationship. Right. Um, so I'm not sure how to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, so like maybe this is another uh, topic. Okay. Well, you know what? This is Tehillim, okay? This is the subject of him. I, I, if we don't get back to Kufia doll today, then like this is this is time well spent, okay? Um so um, so let me uh, let me let me show you something here. So, um this is Avram ben Rambam. This is actually from a share I gave during uh, the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, this is Avram Rambam on bitachon in Hamas, speak There's much more than is written here. Okay. Um, but I think this is a good framework for answering Isaac's question and for like clarifying the insights of the year. So we're going to do this. Okay. <laughs> um, so, um, so he says, uh, I, now I will direct your attention. Oh, this is, um, uh, this is not my translation, uh, entirely. Rav Yaakov Win, Win, Winkelberg Winselberg. I don't know. Uh, Now I will direct your attention to a concept you must acquire before achieving bitachon, uh, security or reliance. Uh, If your bitakon is to be genuine, not illusory. Okay, so right away, you see there's a difference between (laughs) real bitakon and illusory bitakon. Okay, illusory bitakon is for losers, uh, as as he's going to say. It is incumbent upon you to know that Hashem created the world and set it up based on a system of cause and effect. And he appointed for each outcome, a series of preliminary steps. For example, Hashem with his might decreed that the continued existence of man in this lower world should should be contingent upon nourishment and that nourishment may come from animals, vegetation, or both. Um, even you see from here that he doesn't hold like being a vegan, even the animals that nourish us receive most of their sustenance from vegetation. So a person's sustenance ultimately depends on vegetation. So you see here that he holds everyone's a vegan. The vegetation comes about through earth, water, air, and fire. The fire is the cooking heat that reaches the earth through the sun's rays. The water that wets the vegetation comes from rain, dew, and other moisture, as it says, and the shrubs of the field had not grown uh, yet because he had not given rain. Uh, that's embracious. Rain comes from thick vapors that rise from the depth of the earth and mix with other elements in the clouds. As it says, a mist would rise from the earth and water the entire surface of the land. Uh, The mist in turn rises because of the movement of the elements and the blowing of the wind. The wind depends on God's will and desire. A stormy wind fulfills his word. God led an east wind. God turned a strong east wind and many other similar verses. Uh, Consequently, rain comes from Hashem. As the Torah says, Hashem will open his good storehouses, the heavens, to provide rain for the land in its time. I will provide rain in its time. The absence of rain is also from God. He will restrain the heavens and there will be no rain. Likewise, all natural Causes are attributed to him, as it says, and the causes are prepared by him. Okay. Um, so very clear that and Rahman was deviating from the the simpleton naive version of Bitachon Bashem, and the simpleton naive version of Bitakun Hashem, which is very popularized nowadays, is that there is no nature, right? And you'll find books like this in uh, you know, the worst is uh is the the garden of Emuna, which really is denying uh you know that there is a natural world and saying everything is directly caused by Hashem. You know, you'll find um World Mask by Ari, uh, not by Ari Kaplan, by um, Akiva Tatz, you know, a lot of these books that popularize this notion that there is no nature, you know, and it's all an illusion. We hold, God created the heavens and the earth, and everything works through his will, and it's working through his will. It's There are natural causes, he set up the world to, to, to operate by nature. But it's all functioning in accordance with his will, but nature is real, okay? It's powered by God. It's designed by God, but it's, all, it, it, it's through causes and effects, okay? So that's the premise, okay? That's the preface here. But now we find that there are three groups of people in this matter of to Bitafan. On. One is the group of uncivilized ignoramuses. Um, you know what? I have a PowerPoint on this. What am I doing here? What am I doing using this primitive Microsoft Word? Hold on just one second here. Uh, let me see if I can find the PowerPoint. Bitachon, oh my goodness, this was in uh, April 1st. This was on the day that we found out that Shalheva was closing. <laughs> uh, PTSD here, okay. Um, I'm, I'm using the PowerPoint because I made a, a nice uh, Venn diagram here. Uh, yeah, okay, hold on just a second here. Oh, Oh, sorry. No, hold on. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. No, I, I, this is the second PowerPoint. Right, fine. You know, uh, uh, this is the. Uh, I'm actually going to read from the text first because I, the PowerPoint I forgot was a summary. Okay, one is the group of, of uncivilized ignoramuses. They do not think about cause and they do not comprehend effect. They eat as animals do, which is to say that if food is readily available, they will fill. They will be full, uh, but it is difficult to find if it is difficult to find, they will be hungry. They're motivated like apes or small children who have not intellectually matured and cannot think properly. Of such people, it says, and man has no superiority over the beast. So this, I think, was much more common in the Ramams' time. Not so common now. I think the only people who really are in this category are like the the primitive, like, you know, uh, undiscovered tribes, like in the Amazon or like the Sentinel Islands, like people who have no notion of cause and effect and really are like young children or like advanced apes, you know, like they really don't have uh, any concept of cause and effect. Like I, you know, I I forgot which group this was, but I read about this group that was in one of these undiscovered tribes that had not discovered, they didn't have any calendar. It was just day, night, day day, night. And they hadn't discovered the relationship between sexual intercourse and reproduction. Like they just did not know of it. It was just like people just had babies, like there was just no, no concept. And and in terms of their food, it was just all scavenging, you know? So we don't really have people like this so much nowadays that we interact with. Okay. The second group includes those who possess knowledge, understanding, and contemplation who have delved into the sciences and understand the causes and, and causal principles of each thing. Some have even discovered the existence of the first cause, Hashem. Their knowledge is limited to the interrelationships of the causes, these are the scholars and students of nature, i.e. the scientists, who are not Torah adherents, such as the Greek philosophers and their followers. So these are, I guess, in modern times, we would compare these to like the uh, the scientists or the academics. The intellects of these people are insufficient to completely comprehend the truth. Their outlook causes them to conclude that Hashem does not alter natural causes and does not bring any outcome except in its natural effect. In this way, they have come to deny Hashem's knowledge of the particulars and to reject Hashgacha Pratis, individual divine providence, as is well known. About them and their kind, it says, he sets back the wise and confounds their knowledge. So these are people who only hold by knowledge. Even if they hold by Hashem as the first cause, they don't connect the functioning of knowledge to Hashem. They really treat nature as its own independent-like system. Okay, and we're going to get back to this in a second, all right, uh, after we do the other two groups. The third group, so this is there's, he said there are three groups, there's really four groups. Third group is the counterfeit third group, and then there's the real third group. The third group comprises the Torah adherents who understand the depth of the Torah. We exclude from this category the foolish among the religious masses who believe themselves to be among the exalted in the nation. Those religious fools are like the majority of the uneducated, of whom it says they do not know, nor do they understand. We are warned not to follow in their ways. Do not be as a horse as a mule that cannot understand. They resemble the first group because they too do not contemplate cause and effect, If they think of any cause, it is only an immediate cause, such as how to sell, buy, plow, plant, and irrigate, meaning it's like just practical. After all, even the most uncivilized boor doesn't plow, plant, and irrigate like an ox, which plows and walks around the irrigation canal without thinking of its action, without supposing that its action cultivates the seeds that will nourish it. But the foolish people in this group reach only as far as the comprehension of this immediate cause or close to it without delving into the cause of the rain. So in other words, The difference between the first group and this group is that the first group is not even thinking about cause and effect those are people who don't even have agriculture they just scavenge for food this group says oh obviously i have to plant for the crops to grow and rain has to come in order to make the crops grow but they don't think about causal systems okay it's just like a practical like i do this and i get this result Um, such people who claim to be on the highest level of mankind, avoid contemplation of the causes of phenomena and thereby are ignorant of them or most of them through emotion or through tradition. They know of the existence of the first cause Hashem in their view, thought and contemplation of the natural means he uses will lead them to deny his works and the foundation of of his Torah as occurred with heretical philosophers and their followers. The members of this group believe that it is the proper religious doctrine, sorry, that, Oh, it's a typo here that, it is the proper religious doctrine not to not believe to not believe in the causes and the immediate intermediate cause and effect aspects of god's actions Th- those are the people who I was really uh, criticizing earlier that they say that like obviously i need to put the seeds in the ground for it to grow but i have to deny the reality of of, of nature because that's somehow if i affirm nature that's somehow denying god um constantly, con- wait constantly, question yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Um, if there, what, what leads them to put the seeds in the ground then if there's no
0: nature? So I, I think it's like, um, okay, so I'll, I'll give you the, the politically correct answer and the politically incorrect answer. The politically correct answer is, um, they see that it works and they're just not going to deny their mind. You know, um, the politically incorrect answer is I think that they have this idea of his and, um, and sometime I'm going to go uh, give a whole share on his status is I, I really, I, I think that that's a, um, it's an idea that can have some benefits, but it's really a destructive idea in a sense that like the idea, the way people, I don't even know who originated the term by the way, but the way that like his status is talked about, I'm not saying talked about in the sparring, maybe the sparring have a different, uh, way of, of, uh, of presenting it, but the way I hear high school students talking about it is like you, it's like an A for effort type idea. Like you could do something that like is absolutely not actually interacting with reality in any meaningful way, but because you tried, God rewards the effort, you know? And what that leads to is like this arbitrary idea of, I just got to put it in my hishtadlus. I got to, you know, and I gotta, I gotta like do this, I, I gotta like do the steps and like God will take care of the rest. And it's like this way of, of viewing it where you're not actually thinking about the chachma sashem and the principles of Raton Hashem in the Bria. You're just like, I gotta like do the immediate cause, like push the right button with the right like Kavana and like get get the right result. Um, and I think that's kind of how they relate to the um, to like the these immediate causes of like like I have to go to work in order to get like the money or I have to like put this stuff in the ground in order to get the, the uh, the results they're not thinking of it in terms of this is the way God set up the world through Chachma and like it's, it's systems here, you know, it's an immediate thing that I just, that is like the thing I'm supposed to do. And then I get the results. Um, that's actually, my perception. Yeah.
1: It actually reminds me of a Mishley postic that we did um, in the, on a Monday night. Yeah, uh, the it was Nirdam Bikatsir your met Ben Mavish that the um that the Ben Mavish sleeps right. during the harvest season. Right. We said, we said that his mistake is he thinks he put in the effort, and so like that's all he needs to do. It's just
0: yeah, right. Just put in the effort. Right. And you know the the example of this that really can stand. It, it, it's it's uh, I think it could be interpreted both ways in the false way and like in the true way example to my mind that comes to, to, to my mind is Yaakov's whole ruse with Lavan and the speckled sheep, you know, like, like Lavan was getting, sorry, uh, uh, Yaakov was getting cheated by Lavan and he wanted to make money, you know? So he did this whole thing of like making the, the, uh, you know, the poles, uh, or whatever they call them. And like, you know, um, uh, carving them in certain ways with the spots and the speckles and the stripes and like having the sheep mate in front of them. And like, and then he ended up getting like all of these speckled flock because he made the deal with love and like, I'll get all the, the weird ones. And like, you get all the good ones. And, uh, and so like, you know, the way that the Mepharshim explained that is like, he was using a theory of, uh, of that was like based on, on the science that uh, scientific understanding that they had then, which was that when animals mate, then the things that they're thinking and feeling and seeing affect the nature of the offspring. And he was like utilizing his chokma to to you, you know to um, to take advantage of of that, and like that's what produced these results. And it's not divorced from Hashem. It's saying, okay, God set up the world in a certain according to certain principles, and if I harness those principles, I'll get a certain result it's all Barat on Hashem, you know, but that's a very different thing than saying like, if I just, I'm doing these, these uh polls because it's doing my hishtadlus. Doing my hishtadlus is just like this childish, like, like I just have to go. Mm. And then, you know, it's like Rabbi Mann used to say that a lot of people, the way that they relate to davening is the same way they relate to making a wish on a birthday candle. You know, it's just, you close your eyes and you just try and then you get it, you know? And that's just not, how God set up the world. That's not how God set up man. And, uh, and like, uh, and, and that's like, I think the, the, the danger of the Hishatadus idea, the, the merit of the Hishatadus idea is that you can't just kick back and just expect God to do all the work, you know? Um, but, but the, but, but the positive idea is much more than that. Like I remember my, um, you know, when I was in a, uh, 12th grade, my Gemara Rebbe, uh, in high school, We were talking about like how to rely on God, you know, and his thing, his version of his is he said, you, you got to learn Torah and the money will just fly into your bank account. That was his exact words. And we were like, what do you mean? And he said, all you have to do is just like, 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 you know, God wants you to learn Torah, just learn Torah and just money will appear, uh, will fly into your bank account, you know? That's not how things work, you know, and, and the Gemara says this, right? I mean, it says it between Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Yishmael, and Shimon Bar Yochai says you should not work and depend on God, and Sh- Rabbi Yishmael says you have to work and depend on God, and the Gemara says many people tried like Rabbi Yishmael and succeeded, many people tried like Shimon Bar Yochai and failed, which means that there is a level of Shimon Bar Yochai where you do just rely on God and he provides for you, but that's not what the average individual does. And, and Avram and Ramam addresses that. He says, that's the level we talk on of the neviim And once you get to that level, then that's what you do. But that's not how average people do it. You know, the money's not going to fly into your bank account. You got to use your knowledge of how God set up the world. You got to use your Talmud, Akim, and and go. Let's go on in the thing. Yeah, yeah, sure. Donnie? Yeah, it reminds me also in terms of like the people checking their and and things like that is right. They they recognize that there's certain mitzvot and there may be certain things that bring about effects, but they don't think there's any causality to it. Yeah, it's, it's not to do it. It says yacht and know. it says it's broken, so that's going to make me suffer in my yacht. It's just like an immediate like, you know, A equals B, and like that's it. You know, yeah, no system. So it's, it's right. Right. Sorry, I know.
1: Right. This, I know this is kind of a tangent question. Um, you mentioned about Yaakov. Uh, yeah. um, it's, like, at least on the surface, it seems to support this established idea because he put in the effort. And I mean, we now know that that's scientifically inaccurate, um, but then it's, it's still worked out for him. Uh, right.
0: But he's not just putting in the effort. He's using his understanding of how the world works and uh, and acting in line with that. That's different than yeah, established. The fact yeah. that that's not um, how the world works has no consequence here because... The, because God, God will, first of all, what's to say that any of us have a a real understanding of how the world (laughs) works, you know, like that's not, I I think like, like the notion that like, okay, that's not in line with the way that the world works. I I know that's not what you're saying, but like, like, you know, we're all like the raw on, uh, in the second paragraph is of the Torah, like the world is designed with and man cannot understand it. So the best we can do is come up with theoretical models of how the world works and continually approximate and get closer and closer and closer to the way that Hashem actually designed the world. And uh, and the point from the Yaakov story is that that's what the Hashgaka responds to, is a person who's utilizing all of his Chachma and studying how he thinks the world works based on his understanding and then engaging that and then trusting in Hashem that the results will, uh, will follow. You know, we're not even trusting the results, but like trusting that, like, like, that, that this is how Hashem intended man to engage the world, you know? So, so the, the fact, I mean, the, 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 one thing you're pointing out that, that is true is that the, that God will respond as long as you're engaging the world through your Chachma. If Yaakov's Chachma now we see was based on principles of genetics that we now know are not true, apparently the Hajgaka can override that. Let's read on here. Cause I, I want to make sure we get to the true group. Yes. Yeah? This was, I just wanted to just make one point. I think sure. though, just classically, when they you, people describe a established, they do mean just like not being so much on and ace. They mean doing yeah, your yeah. part. So right. you're 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 walking the line. It's correct, and it, there's an yeah. There's and that's what, I was the, to, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Is like to there is a, a merit in that idea in terms of its opposite on the one side, but then there's a a false idea. Like it's a stepping stone. Let's put it that way. It's a stepping stone away from just relying on a miracle, and uh, you know. My, my, my Gemara Rebbe in high school could uh, have said, don't learn and the money will fly into your bank account. <laughs> he said, learn and the money will fly into your bank account. That's at least something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Such people who claim to be on the highest level of mankind avoid contemplation of the causes of phenomena and are thereby ignorant of them or most of them. Through emotion or through tradition, they know of the existence of the first cause, Hashem. In their view, thought and contemplation of the natural means he uses will lead them to deny his works and the foundations of his Torah as occurred with heretical philosophers and their followers. The members of this third group believe that it is the proper religious doctrine to not believe in causes and the intermediate cause, and in fact, aspects of God's actions. So really, they think that, that affirming the reality of nature is a denial of God. Consequently, they remain ignorant of the principles of nature and they come to deny principles that are validated by the intellect and even phenomena that uh, are experienced by the senses, typo. They maintain that this is the requisite faith of the Torah and that only through such faith can a servant of Hashem properly have be in him. For this reason, they have earned the mockery and derision. Uh, you got to earn your mockery. <laughs> they earned the mockery and derision among men of understanding. Uh, if a distinguished and learned Jew holds such a belief, then I and any fair-minded person consider this to be a, a substantial desecration of God's name, of Hashem's name. When they save them, these are the people of Hashem who have come from his land. Okay, so that's the, uh, the, the counterfeit third group. Now we get to the real third group. On the other hand, the adherents of Torah who understand the Torah do contemplate the natural causes and think about them in the same manner as the members of the second group, those who are enlightened and scientific and are not inferior to them in any way. So they hold by the, the same knowledge as the second group, that's the scientists, that they fully engage in studying cause and effect. Okay. To the contrary, they understand as much as other students of natural science do and merit honor and prestige from them. But Hashem, through his Torah, teaches them concepts beyond the comprehension of those scholars and philosophers. He provides them with signs and miracles which testify to that which the others deny. Namely, his knowledge of the particulars, his awareness of people's situations, and his hashgacha pradzis over each and every person, which is commensurate with the person's merit. Just as his hashgacha governs each species within the natural world as his wisdom and will determine. Okay, so now what, what's the option out of this, though? These wise ones understand from their study of the Torah and the account of Hashem's prophets and servants, that although there is a system of interconnected causes, Hashem is the one who activates and determines cause and effect by his will. The causes follow their natural patterns and by his will, they deviate from their natural patterns and become transformed. One way they see this principle in the Torah is that when Hashem's servant and messenger asked in astonishment, how he would fulfill his promise to provide food on such a large scale Uh, quote, if sheep and cattle are slaughtered for them, will it be suffice? God responded, is Hashem's hand limited? Now you will see whether my word will come to be or not. Thus, these people depend on a first cause who is the cause of all causes and is thus called the rock of worlds, Blessed is his name. They know that all causes are traceable to his doing, function according to the decrees of his will, and are subservient to his desire. Therefore, they cling to this principle and keep it in their awareness. They do not allow themselves to be shaken from it by their scientific studies, such as the, such as the philosophy of Aristotle and his disciples, or by involvement in worldly endeavors, such as travel, commerce, health, maintenance, and the process of recovery from illness. Rather, they emulate the actions of the patriarchs. Avraham devised a plan to escape the oppression of the kings. Uh, when God caused me to wander, I said to Sar, this is your kindness. Uh, you see from here, he, oh, whatever. Yitzchak planted and shepherded and moved from place to place because of the famine. Similarly, Yaakov devised the method. Oh, he, he quotes that example. I don't know if that's where I got it from or if I was just thinking it. Similarly, Yaakov devised the method of peeling the sticks in order to receive his wages from Lavan. However, the patriarchs did not rely on their plans and efforts, but only on God. Therefore, his hashgacha accompanied them during their efforts and assisted them during their natural, normal movements and travels. Miracles and supernatural wonders visited them, all of this in the merit of their conviction and the truths of these principles and their p'tachon and Hashem, not in the merits of their efforts and planning. So this is like the true idea of tadlus. and you see it's the opposite of (laughs) tadlus in a sense. In other words, the the superficial idea of tadlus is you put in your effort, and the effort is what makes God respond. This is you use your mind, engage in your knowledge of God's hajgaha khalas, and it's not your effort. It's the fact that you're engaging in God's world that he set up using your God-given intellect that would cause God to respond. And practically, that's a very different involvement, <laughs> Um Avram was assisted, we're almost done here. Avram was assisted when he told Paro that Sarah was his sister. Yeah, okay, that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, uh, you see from here, he disagrees with the Ramban, <laughs> that it was a hate. Uh, through this method, he acquired abundant wealth from Paro, and the woman was taken to the house of Paro. He benefited Avram because of her, and Avram gained sheep, cattle, donkeys, men servants, maid servants, and she donkeys and camels. In addition, he merited an unexpected miracle. Hashem struck Paro and his household with terrible plagues over the matter of Sarai, the wife of Avram. Likewise, uh, God made Yitzhak successful when he planted and made a fan, uh, a miracle for him beyond the way of nature. And he found in that year a hundredfold. God helped Yaakov to achieve his objective of cultivating spotted flock that he could keep by using the sticks. The late born sheep went to Lavan, while the early born ones went to Yaakov. But he also caused the miracle that he revealed the prophecy, lift your eyes and see. Likewise, he said to his wives and God took from your father's livestock and gave to me. Such people, the truly unique among the hearers of Torah, are Hashem's servants who guard his Torah, walk in his way, and follow in the footsteps of the prophets who combine perfect intellect with perfect behavior. (laughs) They understand the Torah's teaching, not by bread alone does man live, but by everything that comes from the mouth of Hashem does man live. Um, They're the ones who fulfill the statement of the Torah, for it is your wisdom and and understanding in the eyes of the nations. They're not like the foolish and ignorant who have no attainment of intellectual perfection, uh, nor the depth of Torah. If a scientist would say to one of them, one of the truly unique adherents of Torah, the growth of plants, the birth of babies and other phenomena have natural causes. He would respond, that is correct. However, you are incorrect when you claim that those causes are not subject to change and that the elements of nature cannot deviate from their natural course. To the contrary, they do stray from their course and change according to the will of the creator of nature who set up the activity of these causes. He created fire and gave it the nature to burn. He canceled its normal mode of burning when Hanani, Mishael and Azari were cast into it and he restored its nature after they left it. Thus, it did not burn the people who denounced them when they were cast into it afterwards. Likewise, a person generally needs wheat bread or the like to survive, but Israel survived for 40 years in the desert, nourished by the man. In the same way, Hashem will care for anyone who has betaken in him, to the extent that if his kindness upon him is great, he changes the order of nature, as with the prophets and Hasidim. If not, he will direct the forces of nature for that person, as he does for the tzaddikim and the God-fearing. And this takes us back to our parak. Ooh, we can finish our parak now. <laughs> okay, right. So that was the whole point of our parak here is that you think that the nature of water is such that it's not gonna split and then the mountains are not gonna shake and that the hills are not gonna gamble. And uh, and um, and really all of these things are their nature in the sense that they operate according to patterns, but their osim ruhos, that the that the winds are God's messengers. And fire is a servant, meaning that everything only is operating in accordance with God's will, and God can change it. So, to answer Isaac's question about like relying, how how do we make the jump from relying on systems to relying on Hashem? Is if you rely in, on the systems in nature, and you view them as as set or as as independent existences. So then that is not trusting Hashem. But if you realize that they're only acting in accordance with Hashem's will, and that yes, it's Hashem's will that that in terms of Hashgah HaKlalas, they operate in accordance with certain patterns that preserve the existence of the physical universe. Yet at the same time, when there is a need, when Kalah Yisrael is crossing the sea to get out of Mitzrayim, then those same waters will obey God's will and part and deviate from their natural course or the tzaddik who is relying on Hashem, you know, using his mind and understanding of nature, God will make it work out in his favor or Mordechai and Esther, when they rely on Hashem in, in Tefillah and uh, and Zaka will somehow make it work out that their plan will work and the Jewish people will be saved. Like that's the difference between relying in nature and relying on, on nature, on Hashem via the expression of his systems through nature. Meaning your reg- again, it's, it's the, uh, the live video game programmer muscle is that, that the game didn't program itself. The game is programmed by a programmer who wrote it and can change it at will And it's not an intrinsic existence. It only operates in the way it does because that's the and that's the purpose of this parakel of really is to, to like underscore the idea that you think that water works in a certain way and you think that mountains are permanent. And like the previous parakel, you think that like a barren woman, that's it. Like she can't have kids. Like she doesn't, you know, they say what, Sarah didn't have a uterus, right? Like, like, you know, that's it. There's no way that, that, that they can have kids. And like, you know, this guy's a poor and he's in the dung heap. How can you get from the dung heap to the, you know, to, to, to sit with a Navid, nadivim, and like, no, it's all Ratzon Hashem. And, uh, and, and he can change it, as he wills it. And the derech of, of, like, increasing the chances of that, I, I hate to use the word chances, because it's not really chances, is in using your mind to understand how all these things work, and then engaging in them with your mind to, be in line with God's will in terms of what he values of like Chesed Mishpat, Hashem, Ava Sashem, And like, that's, that's the Derek of and And that's like in, in the Ramah, in Zichia Umatana, that Abigail Lev was asking me about, um, where are we? And maybe we'll have to learn this Pusuk in Mishle someday. Ha Lo they don't accept a gift from anyone. Now that sounds like he's saying that they don't actually accept a gift. Okay. We'll have to debate that. Uh Ella Bodhim Baruchu. Rather they trust in Hashem, lobinadivim, not in uh, in in generous people. One who hates gifts will live. So, like what this means practically, according to the Radak we learn in Kufmem Vav, is yeah, you have to rely on people in order to engage in the world, but you gotta realize the people are only helping you. In accordance with Rats on Hashem, whether that be their psychology, which operates in accordance with the principles of, of Chokhmah Hashem, or them following Torah and and justice and Chachmah, which is in accordance with the way that God designed them, or using their free will, which is in you know in, in accordance with the way that Hashem designed human beings, like you're 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 recognizing that these are are all expressions of Ratzon Hashem, and like uh, I think Rav Ben Ram uses this machol. Uh, maybe he got it from one of the Naveem, but like, if you, if you saw a guy like chopping with an axe, and you started talking to the axe and saying, hey, axe, why are you chopping the wood? That's just idiotic. It's not the axe that's chopping the wood, it's the guy who's holding the axe, who's using it as a tool. And when you realize that all things in the world are really just tools in the hands of Hashem, so to speak, you know, then that changes your orientation towards those things. And that, that's how you bridge the gap between the second group of just like, Trusting in nature as an intrinsic existence versus trusting in nature as an expression of Ratzon Hashem that just as He created it, Yeshmi ayin and can determine how it operates, He can He can interfere and uh, and 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 mold it according to as well. Uh, question? Yeah. So I guess um, in our lo- like in our personal lives, we're not like yeah. expecting miracles for Hashkafa. So I guess the um question is um why what's really the practical difference between the la- the second to last like the scientific approach and like our approach? The if practical like- difference is that according to science, it's impossible for there to be any miracles. We hold that there's always a chance that Hashem can uh can intervene in nature, both in terms of scarf ownership and in terms of our Tfilos, you know. Um and that that's a big difference you know in 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 other words it, it, if the person in the second group were confronted with a terminal illness then that's the end you know like that's it you know um but uh but we hold that that hashem can intervene and and secondly i think there's another difference which is um I had it for one second here yes the question what's the difference between the second group and this group practical difference da, 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 da.
1: Well, I guess it's a, yeah. an awareness of what it means when we say that when we say there's a system, yeah. like, yeah, uh, you, you're looking at it and saying there's a program here that, but it can't, but like, it can be adjusted, right? Um, it
0: can be adjusted, and, and and the way it's operating when it's not adjusted is also rats on the sham. The moral that's like the key difference. There's a there's a moral arc. It's not just science and cause and effect. Yeah, it's right. Thing. That's the thing. Yeah, that, that that's the big thing in terms of being a human being is that like like there are values that matter, and that if we are in line with those values, we'll get results. Like like a good good analogy. I, I've I've said this analogy before. This is from Rafi Karlanek when he was talking about like uh, laws of nature. He said like uh, he was saying how if you take like flour and sugar and water and eggs and oil and you combine them in a certain way and, and and expose them to heat, a cake will pop out. And God created the world in such a way where, where if you do certain actions, then you get cakes. You know, And like, that's very good in terms of nature, but we hold that in terms of living in line with seeking Yudis Hashem and living in line with Chesed Saka Mishpat, that there are also results that can, so to speak, override nature from living in line with that. And those are just as real as the purely physical systems in nature. Is that um, this? Oh yes, yeah, sorry. No, go ahead, Zev. Uh, okay. Um, no, I was, is that the same as, are those, that last thing you're talking about, is that the same as like Mishleic, like consequences or is that something else? It's something else. Yeah. Mishleic consequences are pretty, okay. uh, well, according to some, right? Mishleic consequences are just going to be in the laws of nature. Some hold that that Mishleic does encompass those other things also, but I am saying like Hushkaka process is more than Mishleic. Yeah, Isaac?
1: So uh, I guess to modify what I, um, the analogy I was saying, um, it's like let's say that there's a program. There's also a person sitting and watching, you know, like all, on the cameras, um, who's um, either actively choosing to have it, to have the program remain the way it is, yeah, or to adjust it.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I mean, and and that's that's like what the Ram says. You know, if I throw a rock up and it falls down, did it fall brach on Hashem or not? That's the question the Ram says in the Shemar Parakim, and his answer is he says yes and no, <laughs> right? He says yes, it's Baratzon Hashem in the sense that God set up the laws of gravity and that it's only by God's continuous will that that, that uh, the gravity operates. But it's not Baratzon Hashem in the sense that God's going fall, 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 like like making it fall at the moment. And God could certainly like intervene and suspend that in the same way that He suspended the operation of the water at Yamsuf, you know. So it 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 nothing happens without Ratzon Hashem, but it doesn't mean that he is like puppeting, you know, every single thing in a with a, 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 a I think the term in the Kaf translations Chidush Ratzon, it's not a Chidush Ratzon, you know. Yeah, all right, we should stop this year here, uh, and I actually. Re, um, I'm actually going to hang up on the Zoom and then just call in again, same uh, same Zoom line because it works out better for Zoom that way. And then um, Aviva is dismissed. <laughs> uh, and we got another night, Aviva, where I don't know if the shares are going to come together. Uh, so we're going to have to depend on that then. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. Yep. Okay, All right. Thanks. So uh, hopefully you guys were okay with the fact that we didn't do strict to Hillen, but I feel like this was to Hillen related and like we got it inside it into like our Procim. So hopefully we're Yote to Hillen for that. Okay. Uh, All right. Those yes, who want to
1: continue, well, I'll see you in a little while. Can't speak for everyone else, but it was great for me. <laughs>
0: okay, good, good. I'm glad. All right, see ya. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi